Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. And I should say probably e-commerce sellers who focus on Amazon as we get into 2021. So today we are talking about brand building, much discussed, but often I feel that the quality of the discussion could be better. So today we have a real expert with us, Lo Martin, who's the Chief Marketing Officer from Elevate Brands. And as she says, a proud culture champion of Elevate Brands. And Elevate Brands is an Amazon FBA roll-up, that is to say that they buy up Amazon leading brands and sort of put them together. So Lo, first of all, warm welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you. And where are you coming to us from today in the world? I am in Brooklyn. It is a frigid day here, so but a little bit sunny. So keeping it on the optimistic side. Yeah, it's similar in London, which is kind of probably typical of our respective cities, I guess. So first question then, you you said to me <laughs> for your introduction, you're a proud culture champion. What, what does that mean? <laughs> Translated? Yeah, I mean, it might come off as like fluffy stuff, but definitely not. You know, part of scaling a company as quickly as we are here at Elevate is making sure that we have incredible people that are coming on board every week and that we're building a culture that you know, is thriving both on the business front, but also on the human front. So making sure that, you know, our our core values are being lived and breathed and, you know, that we're all speaking that same elevate language of what it means to succeed and thrive in the workplace. So when I think about culture champions and what that can mean, that that means, you know, making sure that the best people are getting hired and that there's a, a communication across our team as we grow so quickly that everyone really knows what they're doing and feels ownership over what they're doing. So for me, it's an important part. And all that to say is that we are hiring. So if anyone's listening to this and wants to come work with our amazing team, go check out our LinkedIn, lots of open roles and a really, really exciting time in this space and at our company in particular. So that was probably the earliest call to action I've ever had in a, in a podcast. That's really hilarious. But uh, yeah, get it, get in there. But I mean, uh, that's pretty much more of an offer than a than a, a sort of you know an ask, really. So yeah, love what you're saying there. So we are going to talk about more about in in the next episode. I think the hiring systems and people, and so I I think we've already got some interesting values on this this idea that the team's culture is really really important, and I guess. That's something that as you get bigger, for a lot of the people listening, my target audience would be the people that I literally see every two weeks in the mastermind meetings normally. And all, often they, they are anywhere from a solopreneur to a team of 20. But as you get bigger, especially quickly, this becomes much more real, doesn't it? I mean, it might seem like a pretentious thing with you and two people, or you and a VA, but suddenly if you're scaling quickly, very interesting. Well, look, we're going to revisit that stuff, but let's talk in this episode really about the basic concept of branding. It's an incredibly overused word, I would say, and yet under-understood is my take on it. So let's talk about, for starters, what is it we're even discussing? What does it even mean? Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, yes, the word is branding, but I really tend to use 
the word storytelling. And whenever I get into this branding conversation, I start geeking out about how it's really anthropology and human psychology. And, and, and for me, it really is that it's, it's understanding human beings, understanding our patterns and building an uh, ecosystem around a type of human being, right? So branding is really like creating a tribe, a community around an idea. And that comes to life through storytelling and voice and visuals that align with that idea and the persona that you're trying to, to meet. So, you know, I mean, the, the root of the word branding really comes from, you know, putting a mark on something that so that someone understood these were my cattle and these are my cattle. And <laughs> sure, we can use that word, but I think it's really about creating communities around a simpler shared beliefs. So for me, it's that. And I, when I approach it from that angle, it's much easier to wrap your head around, right? Are you telling the story that your customer wants to hear? Do, are you listening to your customer and to the stories that they are telling you? So it becomes a, a lot more digestible and actionable when you look at it from that angle i think love it yeah that's that's fantastic tweetable things building a tribe around an idea for example love that or building an ecosystem around a type of human being that sounds very sophisticated i'm kind of imagining like those sci-fi movies where you kind of take a a forest into into space so that people can live in it for 10 years yeah it's that kind of idea i love it and i I love also your branding is it it's kind of it's weird. The word brand, yeah, literally meant, you know, burning cattle a bit, I guess. So you said, this is mine. But also it's like possessiveness. And maybe it's a particularly male trait to be a bit obsessed about the fact that your logo and your brand, it's very me, me. And and I just find that there's a phrase, I think, in marketing, me, me, me is dull, dull, dull. The, the, yeah. An outgrowth of the kind of, we're going to now drone on about how many years we've been established is I'm very proud of my logo. And I've literally heard people say that to me. And I was, it's always a red flag. There's a little alarm bell swings. And I'm like, okay, great. And and do you know who your target customer is? Have you spoken to them this week? Literally a conversation. And normally the answer yeah. is no, I don't bother speaking to customers. So I love the emphasis on people. That to me feels very sane. So what's the next step? Okay, that sounds like a very grand st- statement, very inspiring. So how do we build a tribe, I guess, is the next question. Yeah, I mean, uh, you listen, right? Like you said, you you have to you have to do your research and you have to, if you don't, well, hopefully you as the entrepreneur or, or the leader are an active member of that tribe. But if you're not, then you have to do even more research and maybe bring in some folks that are active members of that tribe and really understand their culture, right? The language they speak, the art that inspires them, the ways, the way that they tell stories, their values. And so again, it might sound like fluffy stuff, but it's absolutely not. It's it's the fundamental groundwork that you need to do before you can take that first, you know, before you can create that product, take that first product shot, build your product detail page. Who are you building it for? And uh, if you don't have the answers to that, and and what, if you don't have the answers to what that person is going to expect of you then they're not going to come yeah yeah very very much my belief but i really want to kind of challenge it not because i disagree i agree profoundly but because i feel i don't just feel i encounter in a very concrete way the resistance in the form of somebody who's really good at operations and we had a chat about that off off air i've had a few examples over the years of clients that i've had or people i've spoken with who aren't clients but in in the space who are really, really good at operations. And the trouble is because they're good at operations to a man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail, I guess. And I, and I use the word man advisedly because often y- you can get very over-focused and over-good at believing your own hype. Chuffing on your own exhaust is one of my old mastermind members used to put it very colourfully. In, in other words, 
just because you're good at operations and that's got you so far doesn't mean you aren't leaving a ton of money on the table. <laughs> but let, tell, let's convince the people who think brand is fluffy and not worth paying for or not worth the, the you know, it's, it's overhyped. Why does brand really matter? Or why does, okay, brand is maybe, why does building a tribe around an idea to be specific yeah. to your language, why does that matter? Well, yeah. Uh, so that's a great question. And there are actually a lot of answers to why it matters. So let me start with one that for me is very interesting. As I read through the data of the new generations of consumers coming up in the world, which I'm very excited about, this, these next generations are just much more aware to them aligning with the companies and businesses and brands that they are giving their money to is a fundamental part of their consumer journey. In their research process, they're obviously researching like value and, and product. They're also researching values. So it's, it, you know, for this new consumer, it matters to them what that brand stands for more than whether their logo is great. And, and so, you know, the, I would say the easiest argument is that this next generation cares about what you do as a brand outside of the fact that you have a great product and you're a great operator. They want to hear that a percentage of your sales goes to this initiative or that you've tried to reduce carbon emissions by changing your packaging from X to Y. It matters to them and it will matter more and more because the world is changing and our, our decisions as a global community have huge impact. And this next generation is just they have to be more aware of it because this is their world now, right? So for me, that is the both the biggest reason and the most beautiful reason why brands should matter. Brands should matter because businesses businesses need to do better. Wow, it's very inspiring, and I'm kind of feeling a great hope for the future. So I mean, you have a very optimistic view of, of youth. Maybe I'm just like a crusty middle aged kind of North London guy. We, we even talked about <laughs> particular areas of particular cities, right? That you have very conservative areas and hipster, more open cities, and yeah, I guess it's very easy to be dismissive of things when they're new or they're unfamiliar. And actually, I love your optimism about the next generations. So what are the other reasons, even if, let, let's say, for the sake of argument that that wasn't true, which clearly yeah. it obviously is, but what are the other sort of more immediate reasons why brand or tribe building matters, if indeed it does? Yeah, because word of mouth marketing is the most powerful marketing tool, right? And word of mouth marketing happens when, when brand kind of... Uh, packages a product again, right? So, you know, sure, someone can say, oh, I bought this great towel warmer, or someone can say, oh, I bought this towel warmer, and it came in this box. And when I opened it, it said that, you know, it had this like poem on the inside, or, you know, a talking point, how do you kind of, again, build the storytelling around a product so that it's stickier beyond just the fact that it works, right? So like, that's one talking point. Great. It works. Maybe someone will tell their friend, I bought the thing. It works. You should buy it too. But maybe someone will tell their friend, I bought the thing. It works. And it was the least expensive one, or like it was the one that was of most value. Those are two talking points. But if you build brand, you can say, I bought this thing. It works. It was a pretty good value. And I got it with this cool carrying case so that when I travel, I can take it with me. And they, you know, their factory is based in this town that employs all of the, you know, you just kind of continue to create more and more talking points. And in the same way that, you know, we love the flywheel on Amazon, it creates this marketing flywheel. 
where people have more and more things to talk about, more and more reasons to to elevate your your brand to their friends and and uh, you know acquaintances. There's that level too. Marketing flywheel is is by the way. I just I'm such a mega fan of the flywheel concept by Jim Collins because having played around with an awful lot of, of strategic concepts over the, the years and, and tried to see what really makes an impact on a business. I think that flywheel thing, like Jeff Bezos, super, super, super sharp operator. In terms of visual branding, by the way, the irony is Amazon is terrible at doing Amazon listings. But anyway, that's a small side point. But in terms of a business architecture, genius. And he was the one who hired Jim Collins pretty much first, right? So that whole flywheel thing really critical. Tell, tell me, you've, you've, there's like a trigger word for me. Tell me more about the marketing flywheel. How does it build on itself? Yeah, it's so funny because I was thinking on this this morning because I was like having a conversation with uh, one of my colleagues about, you know, why are we doing this thing on the social channel for this one brand? And, you know, we should be selling the product. We should be selling the product. And no, we have to build stories for that community because it, it, the flywheel applies to like kind of human nature, but also algorithms, right? So if you're looking at Instagram, for example, uh, and this is, you know, this might be a long-winded story to get back to the marketing flywheel, but hopefully it'll all make sense. If you're looking at Instagram, you know, Instagram's algorithm is ranking you on whether people are bookmarking something you put up, whether people are sharing it with their friends more than just like double tap, right? It's, we all know that. So, you know, the likelihood of someone bookmarking or, you know, having kind of engagement experience around a very like salesy post is much lower than the likelihood of someone having an engagement experience around like a lovable piece of UGC that makes them smile and, and makes them feel ready for their Friday. And especially if that piece of content really aligns with the like core values of the community and persona that is also aligned with the brand and the stuff that we're selling. And so by telling peripheral stories, we use those to create the flywheel so that when we do have something important to say about our product, they trust us. We're, you know, we're a digital, reliable outlet to them. We've shared great content with them that, that wasn't trying to sell them stuff. And so when we do try to sell them stuff, they're like, you know what, I'm going to listen to them because I like them so far. They haven't offended me. So if they want to sell me this product, I'm going to give it a double take. And that, that is really kind of, for me, what that flywheel means is like create content of value to get the buzz going, to get people feeling closer to you, that you're not a robot selling them stuff, selling them stuff, selling them stuff. And then they will trust you when you tell them, oh, and we're making this epic product, which you should also check out. Amazing. I love that. I mean, I think what you put your finger on is a few things. I mean, again, um, the flip side of listening which you said is so important. In other words, who are your consumers even, which is not easy when you're selling on Amazon. So we, we might dig into you know, how the how question that's implied by that. But to get this marketing flywheel thing, engagement is an interesting word. And, and I guess you've also used the words like they like and they trust you. I mean, it's the old school, like Dan Kennedy, he's the probably grumpiest non-generation X or any, any you know, modern generation you can think of, but no like trust thing. Is it just very, very basic consumer marketing 101 that people just skip and i think that what you just said i guess is there's a panic that arises in a direct response driven amazon particularly on amazon it trains us to do this like but i'm spending money on marketing do i get paid tomorrow or next week <laughs> as opposed to like well yeah the thing is this if people don't trust what you're saying then it doesn't make any difference what you're saying and in fact it's even worse because every single you, no word you say is a nail in the coffin of the relationship and 
I think we've all experienced that kind of shouty, every email's a sales email. I'd like, I just unsubscribe or even just write back rudely. And like, like I interview Amazon marketers, dude, that I'm on, everybody puts me on their email list out of maybe 150 people I've interviewed so far. I think five have put me on a relevant email list for podcasters, influencers, like, because it's obvious that's a relationship I have. Every other person's put me in like I'm a generic Amazon seller. And it just blows my mind. I'm like, you're an intelligent, passionate uh, entrepreneur and you've just lumped me in with other people. Like segmentation is probably a word you would teach other people, but you just didn't do it. So I think what strikes me about all this stuff, and I think the great news, and I'd love your thoughts about this, is that people do this so badly, even though they kind of think they're doing it well, that there's just a wide open opportunity here. I mean, what do you think of of this? Yeah, because I I, I understand why, because it's overwhelming to think that you have to, I have to now build stories, but I'm building a business. Those are one and the same, right? So I think that's the first tricky disconnect. It's like, no, if we're creating an ad campaign, we need to sell the product. No, we need to sell an idea, right? We need to sell a scenario as a lifestyle. And those are, that's very different. You need to, you need to align with people and then they will buy uh, whatever it is that you're selling. And so, yeah, for me, it goes back to the anthropology, the psychology of human beings. Like we, by nature, do not trust something we don't know, right? Psychology 101, we don't trust something we don't know. So how do we make people feel like they know us? We share human stories that align with who they are as human beings. And we can only start peddling our wares once they feel like they know us. It's, you know, for me, it's kind of common sense. And the great part is a lot of that work is being done for you. So if you're overwhelmed by the idea of now creating content, well, we can talk about the hiring piece later, but there's also just a lot of beautiful content that your tribe and ecosystem probably already have that you can pull together as a curator, as someone, as a brand that aligns with this content, repost it, credit the folks that are already creating this great content and say, we're here for this. We're here for this. We're here for this. And that's the easiest way to do it. You know, it's not that you need to build this stuff from scratch. You just need to say, these are the pieces of the world that I, that our brand aligns with too. Amazing. Yeah. I, I love that, by the way, because I'm, I'm a sort of artistic background. Uh, one of the decisions you make if you're put on I mean, as a conductor for at least a would-be conductor, I guess, I had the skill set and not the, not the work like a lot of people in the creative industries. But here's what I would say. Like a lot of the work you do would be curating existing pieces of art that existed for 200 years. So there's nothing new in the actual work, but the curation of it and the presentation of it was the art. And actually... It turns out the world's great orchestras and conductors have people lining up to go and see them, even though they're playing the exact same pieces of music that sound kind of the same, except they're not because they're infused with a passion and a style and a a choice that people come to trust. So that's very into that word curation. And I think the wonderful, wonderful thing you've just said is liberation from having to create tons of stuff. And by the way, I, I end up doing the same myself. But the truth is that a lot of what we need is already out there. It's a wonderful thought that you've just said two things that are like, oh, relax, like building a brand is building a, a story or stories and use your user generated content as you see UGC, really, really beautiful thoughts, which really brings me to the how question. I mean, okay, th- let's start from the scenario of somebody who's say, maybe typical of one of my clients, which is they have, they're doing seven figures on Amazon which these days, and I was about to say, not hard to achieve. That That's not true. It's a real achievement, and I salute anyone who's got there. 
but it's not untypical these days, especially after 2020, where e-commerce blew up. They maybe have, you know, uh, 10%, whatever, 5% of their revenue, maybe it's 20% on their direct-to-consumer, maybe Shopify site. So for somebody in that kind of situation, they, they have a team of people who are good at, you know, fairly versed in the mechanics. Where do they go from there to start really actually implementing this stuff? When you say this stuff, can you elaborate? <laughs> yes, I'll try. I suppose, let, let me sort of summarize briefly. We've talked about really building a tribe around an idea. So I guess you've mentioned Instagram as, as a part of, as an example of the marketing flywheel. What's the starting point for, for structuring this and, and getting a solid ground for this, I guess? Got it. Okay. So, okay. So our case study has a predominantly Amazon marketplace business with a small component in owned and operated and a small team and they're, they're on the up and up. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think what you want to do is look, there are plenty of, of, of loops, right? There's figuring out what the smallest loop is for success, right? And and just nailing that one, getting it right. And so in this scenario, maybe it's obviously optimizing every bit and piece of their brand on Amazon. And maybe we get into this later. Maybe it's something we save for another day. So if that's making, if that's the 80% is every single little T crossed and every I dotted, that matters. I'll leave that there for now. And then the other piece is like, what is the value of the, the, the off Amazon site, you know, do you want, do you want to, to grow that site today as, you know, a, a marketplace, or do you want to use it as a marketing component that warms up the funnel for you and drives them actually to Amazon or warms up the funnel for you, helps you get your customer, customer making their first purchase and then lets them decide to subscribe and save on Amazon, for example, right? So maybe maybe if you think about your your Shopify site as like the splashy marketing experience, the first the first encounter with the brand, and then Amazon is kind of like the easy the the kind of easy continuation of that customer's journey and and keeping their lifetime value at a good place. So if those are the two pieces, Again, like in the same way that we optimize the brand on Amazon, because we know we have tools A through Z and beyond, off Amazon, what the biggest value add of already having a presence off Amazon is retention, right? Is like the prospecting that you can do off of Amazon that's much harder to do on Amazon. So if you do have an owned and operated site, are you engaging with your potential customer in a way that they want to subscribe to your brand, to your story, to what you have to say? Are you creating a homepage experience that maybe they're not ready to buy today, but at least you're, you know, you've piqued their interest. And so if there's that email pop up, they're like, you know what, these guys are cool. Like that was a funny thing I read on their homepage. I'm going to subscribe. And back to our point, then that first welcome email they get is even more interesting and engaging and aligned with who they are and is not trying to sell them a thing. It's a welcome. It's telling them, hey, welcome to our tribe. We're all about these things. So glad you're here. So use that piece. If you already have that piece, use it to warm up your community, show them that you're aligned with them, you know, nurture the relationship, use it as a nurturing tool so that when they are ready to buy, maybe they're going to search for you on Amazon, or maybe they'll come back to the D2C site, but they already love you, you know, because you sent them now two or three emails with cool content. They know that you're selling them stuff. People are not dumb, but show them that you're giving them more than just the product that they're going to have to pay for. So for me, like, 
if you already have that website, that's the sweet spot that you can use that to warm up your funnel, get people excited about what you have to say. Love it. Love it. This is really good. And I guess we just to kind of, there's that was beautiful and very tactical things in there. I like it. So optimizing every piece of the brand on Amazon and then looking at the value of the op Amazon site. So I guess, you know, they're two different sort of things, but I suppose, yeah, I like that. Figure out the smallest loop for success and nail that. I love that phrase. It feels very pregnant with meaning. Tell me a little bit more about how would you define that? Because that sounds really, really good yeah, strategic well, you know, concept. So for example, that's that's a loop that already has the luxury of the the Shopify site, right? So there's a lot that you can do with that site. There are plenty of, you know, FBA brands that don't have a Shopify, Shopify site at all. They're 100% Amazon. So then how how do they expand their loop, right? And and again, like we were talking about this earlier, you know, look at e-com as MVP and then the next MVP. Like what, you know, do things incrementally. So if you have a brand on Amazon and you're thinking like, okay, how can I expand? How can I get capture more of my, my audience here? You know, hop, find their favorite social channel. And let's again, use Instagram just for simplicity here. And this is a smaller loop, right? Than the one that we just had, because we're assuming that the owned and operated also had an Instagram. And so that was like a, 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 full, a loop of four. We had owned and operated, email, maybe SMS, Amazon and social. This one is just Amazon social. And because they have social, they can have email as well because there are tools like Linktree, for example, which is the link and bio stuff, uh, which I think everyone is familiar with, right? On Instagram, you have your, your bio on your Instagram profile. And there are tools that allow you to create an intermediary page where you can customize the modules. And this is within the Instagram uh, platform, you can customize the modules and you can get people to sign up to your newsletter there. So let's pretend you're selling, you know, supplements for uh, athletes. No, that's a terrible thing. Supplements are hard to do. You're selling plants and someone's been following you on Instagram because you you put like epic shots of, of plants in people's homes and people love that. It's, it's Instagram gold. And, you know, then, then you post a new piece of content and you say something like, you know, if, if you've got a, you know, if, if you if, if you want more tips on how to, how to grow your plants during the winter or something like that, check out our link in bio and you can subscribe and we'll send you like your, you know, your quick guide to you know winter plants or whatever. And they, they subscribe right there, right there within the Instagram platform. So you don't even need a website to create a prospecting list and to engage with your potential customer at the top of the funnel through great content that's valuable to them. Again, they know that you're a brand and that you're eventually going to sell them something, but aligning with them just through Instagram and the link in bio, you have them in your email loop. And then when you're ready, you're launching a new product. You send them an email about that and you drive them straight to a landing page on Amazon. So you don't even need a website. Nice. I like it. Even tinier. uh, A tiny loop. I I really, really like that. Looking out for smallest loop for success and nailing that. That's just beautiful simple but profound concept i really love that to your point as well people know you're selling them stuff i i I really like that so in other words (laughs) people are very into stating and telling aren't they in in emails and i'm i'm sure by the way when i say people i include myself i'm sure like uh, there's a ton of of improvement i need to do this is the thing that strikes me if so if you know somebody's selling to you you can know they're selling to you, but if they do it really, really well, you like being sold to. Like, for yeah. example, the best example of this is, I'm afraid, not an e-commerce example, but my wife and I were in Milan. We went away for like a hit and run 
sudden trip to Milan last summer because we had to get away from the UK and we love Italy. We went to Milan. It was fairly empty of tourists and it, it was in the summer. It was a stupid time to go. And we had lovely restaurant experiences. And we walked down one street and I was just literally looking at the menu for something. So there's an in- online equivalent. It's like browsing, I guess. And I suddenly I looked up and I found somebody who had just thrust a glass of Prosecco into my hand. He said, oh, the waiter had just given me a glass of Prosecco. Oh, it's on the house. And he kind of knew, he sensed accurately, and I'm sure there's an online equivalent of this, and we need to not forget we're humans and whatever digital things we're doing are, are a version of human interaction, to your point of anthropology. He'd sensed that I was an easy target because I really liked the vibe of the restaurant. I was looking at the menu. I was probably salivating at that point at the thought of truffles. And he just kind of so deftly pushed me over the edge. I'm like, we're eating here then. It was the most beautiful thing ever in terms of sales. I was like, wow, this is a sales experience. And you can do, you can be blunt too, as long as there's balance, <laughs> right? If like, yeah. if you're sending out a bunch of great content and then an email comes out with your subject line, something along the lines of like, why the hell would you buy another one of these? Right. And then like someone clicks in and it says like, here's why one, two, three, the product done. You know, like if you're going to sell, be straightforward, right? Like people are over the facade of like, you know, people are over the salesman. They just want the facts and they want their community. And so I think it's just really understanding the nuances of that. And there's plenty of ways where the, the customer is ready to tell you what they cannot stand and sometimes they're ready to tell you about what they like, but they're definitely ready to tell you what they don't like. And so there's plenty of ways as Amazon sellers that we can go and comb through those reviews and comments and really understand what we should be avoiding in our storytelling and the way we position ourselves. It's all right there. It's the writing on the wall. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, the writing on the wall, literally the wall of, of the Amazon reviews. Well, folks, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As ever, I try and get quality guests on every time. I have to say that was particularly revelatory to me personally with uh, Lo Martin's wisdom. I guess um, when you get a chief marketing officer who was really dedicated to the craft of building brands in a sophisticated way, you get that kind of level of, of insight. I mean, I, I really thought that was uh, much broader than the Amazon general discussion that can end up happening. But also, I thought, very, very applicable to anyone who's selling on Amazon. I mean, really, for me, great takeaways. The fact that she calls herself a a culture champion, getting great people, making sure you're speaking the same language, getting the team to feel ownership as you build a bigger business becomes less of an abstract idea and more really important to keep that kind of central core to the internal team, I guess. And it's interesting that really, I hadn't really thought about it while I was interviewing Lo, but the idea of building a tribe around an idea, i.e. Your, your customers or prospective customers, and the idea of building an internal culture are two sides of the same coin, I guess. So really it feels like unifying a tribe of people around an idea is the core concept that I'm going to take away from this. Really exciting. A couple of really important takeaways. I think, first of all, hopefully, as, as Lo said, First of all, as Lo said, hopefully you're an active member of your tribe. If not, you better bring them in. Really important, very basic, but some of us sell stuff that, you know, we don't have any personal experience of. And I know dog supplement business owners, for example, who don't own dogs, and that's not a crime, but they better be talking to dog owners. Why does this stuff matter? I mean, a couple of things that really struck me as uh, very concrete answers. Next generation that's coming up 
and will be a bigger and bigger consumer really cares about the values that companies have. The second way is word of mouth is that powerful tools, which is what is this whole storytelling idea. Another couple of things to say or reiterate from Lowe's insights, I think today, first of all, building stories is the same as building a business. So it's not another job to do, it's part of that job. And I think the idea of not selling a product, but selling an idea is really quite profound and it may sound quite fluffy as well. I'm aware for people who sell physical products and are very geared to that idea. I think we've just got to get our heads around this stuff. Very practical ideas. One is the marketing flywheel and and the implementation of that is very practical. Little loops, figuring out the smallest loop for success and nailing that, for example, getting the listings nailed up, supervising every piece of the brand on Amazon and being very, very clear about the value and use of your off Amazon website if you have one. Is it a marketing component? Is it a marketplace or a place to actually sell? So a lot of this stuff comes down to clarity, I think, and and really listening to the consumer and um, just valuing the process of building a tribe around an idea. I think for me, that's the big takeaway. So lots to consider and lots to reflect on here. This is profound work. I don't think there's going to be overnight success from this. Having said that, though, in the next episode, we have tried to get about a couple of things. How do we articulate the overall view of what is it we're engaged in here? How do we structure the customer experience that we're trying to get and how do we actually implement this in a day-to-day week-to-week business so stay tuned for that i think there's going to be some practical value there i hope you found this as thought-provoking as i have and please stay tuned as ever if you like the podcast please don't forget to subscribe so you get this straight to the top of your podcast player of choice and of course if you do like the content it's free and always will be all i'd ask you for if anything is just to give us a review if you are able to or even just a rating on apple Podcasts. so just tap one two three or four or five stars that would be very very helpful to us to get the word out and help you be the best amazon seller you can be thanks thanks so much for listening to the 10k collective podcast part of the family of amazing fba podcasts Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.